0: be a pro with AC Pro.
1: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best The power of their data Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.
0: As far as this offense is concerned, look, I don't want to bitch about anything because the New York Mets defeated the Atlanta Braves and have created a little bit more wiggle room in this National League East. But this offensive performance, granted, they are missing a lot of guys, and I understand that. They left a lot of scoring opportunities out there, and that's really been the case over the last couple of weeks. But when you get brilliant pitching out of Max Scherzer, when you get brilliant pitching out of Adam Ottavino, when you get lockdown effort from Edwin Diaz, and you give up one run to this brave lineup, you're able to overcome it. But go back to the first inning: lead off walk by Brandon Immo. they get nothing out of that. Go to the second inning: double by Luis Guillerme. they get nothing out of that. JD Davis is a waste of space. I think we all understand that. He took an 0 for four. I don't want to see him ever again. I really don't. Stick his ass on the bench. No one needs to see JD Davis. And the fact that the Braves are throwing two righties the next few days with Spencer Strider and Charlie Morton, we're not going to see J.D. Davis. We're going to see Dom Smith. Not that we're in such a rush to see Dom, but if there's a preference right now between Dom Smith and J.D. Davis, it's obviously Dom Smith. But they fail to score in the first. They fail to score in the second. And what surprised me, Max Fried's done this before, where Max Fried looks off early in a game and then will settle in. Well, he never settled in. Because Nimmo has that great at-bat in the third inning that led to a double. Lindor can't advance him, which pissed me off. But that was the last bad thing Lindor did all night. So I can't kill him. Because he would go on to have three more hits and play solid defense at shortstop. But in that moment, when Lindor can't move freaking Brandon Nimmo to third base with less than two outs, we're all, we're all a little pissy. Hoff's cursing him out. You were cursing Lindor out. We need a ground ball to third base.
1: Uh, I, we curse him out for less than that. Yes, of course. Yes. Of course I'm curse him out there.
0: <laughs> I mean, at minimum, move the guy to third base. But okay, fine. Pete Alonzo, who's been slumping over the last few weeks, says, don't worry, I got you with that huge RBI double. But even after that, you know, Guillerme hits the double play ball. He barely beats it out at first base. It was a very, very close play. I think it was one of those reviews where if they call Guillerme out on the double play, they're not going to overturn it if the Mets challenge it. I think it was that close. But they steal that second run by the fact that Guillerme is able to barely, barely beat it out. But then in the fourth inning, Max Fried walks Travis Jankowski on four pitches. They get nothing out of it. Fifth inning. Walks the leadoff man. Walks the third guy in the order. And then you get that fluky Robbie Cano double play that bounces off, I think it was second base. And then Cano turns your traditional four, five, six double play, whatever the hell it was. Robbie looked good defensively. I'll give him that. Not only did Cano have two hits, but he played a really strong defensive second base. But think about that. Look at the first five innings against Max Fried. The fact they only walked away with two runs was a massive disappointment. And I think we're all thinking the same thing. As good as Max Scherzer is, as in control as Max Scherzer is, you cannot fail to take advantage of these scoring opportunities, and the Mets did. And it continued even against the bullpen. I mean, really, in the seventh inning against Dylan Lee, runner on first, nobody out, double play. Another base hit, Escobar pops up. So it was frustrating, It was frustrating that they weren't able to take advantage of these scoring opportunities. But then our guy, our boy, who was awoken from his slumber, Big G himself, Luis Guillerme, hits the insurance home run in the eighth inning that at least makes you breathe just a tad easily, especially after all the stress of the bottom of the seventh inning when Scherzer gave up the home run to Riley, gives up the two-out double to Ozuna, and then gets through it. Right out of the gate. Two pitches into the eighth inning. Guillerme hits that home run. Flips the bat. Lindor is physically assaulting Max Scherzer because he's excited. But we're all excited. We all would have physically assaulted each other if we were around each other after Luis Guillerme hit that home run. And what do we get? We get a neat and tidy, comfortable 4-1 victory over the Atlanta Braves. I don't want to say it's a game... They had to have... Because as we talked about, you could get swept in this series. It wasn't going to end the Mets season. It was going to end our brain cells for a few days. That's for sure. It was going to cause major panic in Metland, No doubt about that. But it was never going to be end of the world stuff. But to take this opener especially shorthanded, especially without Starling Marte and without Jeff McNeil was such a good feeling. And it was almost a reminder about who the 2022 Mets are. Because I think all of us, myself included, need to remind ourselves every once in a while that this team is legitimately good. We do. Because whether it's the feelings of the past or it's the respect that we have for the Atlanta Braves or the injuries that this team is dealing with. McNeil's not an injury, but he's not in the lineup. So I kind of think of it the same way. I think that there's that fear of bad stuff's about to happen. We all have that as Met fans. And I think throughout this season, the Mets have done a pretty good job of reminding us, hey, we're different. We're not that same Met team. This isn't going to go as badly as you think. It even happened last week against Cincinnati, the final game of that series, a game that felt like just a typical old-school Met loss, and they were able to wake from their slumber and come back. Even against a bad team, it was a necessary win. And let's not forget this about the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves are playing better than just about anybody. I guess the Yankees are on another level, so you push the Yankees to a side. But they were 29-8. and 29-8 and in their last 37 games. They have been an elite team for over a month. You saw this lineup that was out there tonight. It's a good lineup. It's a very deep lineup. It's a tough lineup to face. And we know how good their bullpen can be. This is a very, very good, brave team. And I think that's for me. I'm only speaking for myself here. I know there are a lot of Mets fans who still have that Wilpon fear in their mind that bad things are going to happen. The fear I tried to express with Craig on our show on Monday, and the fear I expressed, I think I expressed it here on Rico Bronia, is not necessarily strictly about the Mets. It's about a respect for a team they're racing with. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In 2015, when the New York Mets won the National League East, they were afforded every opportunity to stay in that race until they got hot in August. That team wouldn't have that shot this year. They wouldn't. In 2006, when the Mets had a runaway in the National League East, yes, they were very good, but what helped is that no one was there to challenge them. It's a part of why they had a runaway in 2006. Well, do the math. Look back at that 06 team. Would they be in a pennant race with this brave team? Yes! (laughs) There would be no runaway. And so that's the difference. And I think we have to remind ourselves that. The difference between running away in 2006 and having a chance to eventually run away in 2015 is that we were fortunate. We were fortunate that the division that year, and you never throw this back. I'm not saying we should ever feel bad about it, but the divisions that year sucked. They did. And I think what's unusual for us, and maybe just reminiscent of the late 90s, is that we are battling with a team that's very, very good. And if I had to guess right now where the Atlanta Braves are going to finish, just win total-wise, I'd say it's in the mid to high 90s. That's a big number. And so the New York Mets have to finish with a better record than that, or the same record as that. We'll discuss the tiebreakers in a second. Another reason why this game was important. So unlike pennant races of recent past, or non-pennant races of recent past, in which the Mets have won divisions, the difference is the competition is very, very, very stiff. And this is going to be a battle. This is going to be a long pennant race. That's why... When anyone declares this race over in May, you forgot who we're dealing with. We're dealing with the Atlanta Braves. We're not dealing with the 2015 Nationals who were a non-factor. Or the 2006 Phillies. I think that's the team that finished in second that year who is a non-factor. This is a very, very good team. Now, I mentioned tiebreakers. I want to bring this up because this is going to be a real pennant race. we got a lot more games to go with the Atlanta Braves, and I think we all need to understand what we're dealing with here. Which is if the Mets and Braves finish tied, and winning the division matters. This isn't 2004, 2005, where winning a division and finishing in the wild card spot really had no difference. Ask Yankee fans if they won the division in 2005 or they won the wild card. Ask Red Sox fans. No one remembers or knows. They actually finished tied that year. They did. They finished with the same record in 2005. And no one knows because there really was no difference between winning the division and winning the wild card. We live in a playoff format that is very, very different. If you win the division, especially with the way things are shaping up with the mediocrity of the Brewers and Cardinals and the NL Central, if you win your division, there's a really good chance you got to buy and you're going right to the divisional series. While if you're in a wild card spot, you're playing a best of three. And I don't give a damn if all three games are at City Field, all three games are on Jupiter, all three games are wherever. That's a three-game series, and that stuff's dangerous. And I get it. The Mets would be in a great position in a three-game series because they'd have Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom. Of course. But what if they split the first two games? (laughs) And now game three is started by Chris Bassett. No offense to him. He isn't Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. The point is you don't want to be in that series. I don't want to be in that series. No one wants to be in that series. And that's what you get if you don't win this division. So, yeah, I'm not concerned about the Mets blowing a playoff spot. I haven't been. I'm not concerned that they're going to miss the playoffs. I'm concerned that they're not going to win the division, and winning the division matters. I guess that's a compliment to this playoff format. I've always thought it was important to make the divisions important, and they are. So, if the Mets and Braves finish tied, there ain't no tiebreaker. It's head-to-head. Right now, the New York Mets lead the season series three games to two. Long way to go. But that's another reason why these games matter. If you can win this season series, you at least assure that you can win this division If in even if you finish with the exact same record. That crap matters. It all matters. Every game is going to matter over the course of the next 14 games that these two teams play against each other.